Welcome back to the Registry R Roundup for this week commencing Monday the 1st of June. And we have a special refit-themed show for you this week. Yes, Emir Refit is coming. And last week I managed to catch up with Sabine Guip, who is the Chief Compliance Officer, and she's going to take us through some of the finer points and issues uh, that have been raised uh, with the implementation of Refit in Europe. And also joining us live in our virtual studio today is Laura Rodriguez, who is the Institutional Relationship Manager at Registia. She runs the Institutional Relationship Team. She's the one who deals with the National Competent Authorities and with the Pan-European Authorities and with the regulators, basically. So she is obviously very busy right now with all our EMEA preparations. Hey, Laura. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me here today. And as always, we have our regular crew, but don't be disappointed because they're still fun. Barbara Ruiz Alonso, Head of Client Services. Hello, everyone. Hi. And as always, the voice of reason, the Head of Business Development for Registrar, Nicholas Bruce. Hello, everyone. And of course, joining us last but never least, it's uh, Acting Chief Operations Officer for the UK and Head of Product for Europe, John Kernan. Morning, everybody. Okay, and um, of course, this is a financial services podcast, and anything could happen in the next fifteen minutes. So we do need a legal disclaimer, which this week we've set to some mellow French cafe jazz. This podcast is sponsored by Registr and features members of the Registr team offering their personal opinions. It is not intended to be taken as any form of legal, tax or other professional advice and there is no representation made as to the accuracy or completeness of the information within it, nor does it necessarily reflect the opinions of Registr as an organisation. Now, before we get going with the virtual studio discussion, uh, last week I managed to catch up uh, with Sabine Guip, who's the Chief Compliance Officer at Registia. Prior to that, she was a Senior Compliance Officer uh, working in fund management, and prior to that, she was also a uh, Senior Executive at KPMG. And putting all these things together, she's got a really good view of the complexities that Refit should be solving in Amir, and more to the point, the uh, reason why we need a refit in the first place. So here's my interview with Sabine. So Sabine, obviously, as Chief Compliance Officer, you aren't looking so much at the client experience and those sorts of things, but looking at the, the really challenging aspects, the compliance aspects that refit throws up. So obviously, one of those is going to be the mandatory use of XML, and and the implementation of the ISO standard. What else is Amir throwing up, is Refit throwing up on the compliance front that is uh, really uh, challenging or chewy at this point? So from, from a compliance perspective for the TRs, I think Refit is a very good thing in this relation because it's specifying certain elements which have not been specified in the past by the regulation. So we got already certain indication on my expectations to Q&As, for example, for the update on the LEIs. But uh, on the other hand, for reconciliation among the TRs, there were no clear guidance or there was just uh, uh, some agreements between the TRs and some imposed uh, fields from ESMA for the pairing and the reconciliation in this relation. While now the the refit uh, consultation paper is introducing now the mandatory or the requirements in a legal binding basis in this relation. So from my perspective, it's issuing more clarity in relation to expectations and what ESMA wants the TRs to implement, and it might 
help as well to standardize the uh, to, to to have a more standardized approach between the TRs and how EMIR is going to be implemented in the different TRs. The complexity is going up quite a bit, isn't it? We're going up from 129 fields of data that needs to be reported to 203. Is that going to, although it makes it clearer what ESMA wants, is that going to be a, a big challenge, do you think, for TRs to up the, the volume of data that's having to be processed and, and reconciled there? I think the, 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 the complexity is not going to be added by the addition uh, of the fields. The complexity is going to be coming from the change and from the logics on how, how the TR system is built. So meaning, for example, if certain of the fields which are going to be introduced, or there are also some fields which are deleted, if they are used for different other processes, of course, this one is triggering a review of the setup of the system and might imply also certain complexity in the issues. On the other hand, by uh, relaxing certain uh, or by introducing new action types, it might, might help uh, participants in the counterparties to solve the issues with the legacy traits which have been introduced by the uh, by the changes in the regulation. This is a very broad brushstroke question, and I'm sorry to have to ask it, but, you know, the thing is we do talk about Brexit every week. Uh, we've seen that the FCA has set up a new initiative over here, GRID, to try and help uh, UK market participants plan for changes to uh, the way that they're reporting into the EU uh, we know that, obviously, SFTR uh, comes into effect soon, uh, refit comes into effect soon, and yet at the end of the year, um, we, we might be in a very different situation after December and the Brexit date. So as Chief Compliance Officer, what uh, in, uh, you know, what's the TR challenge looking at Brexit? What would you be saying uh, to people who are market participants spread across the UK and Europe faced with the uncertainty of Brexit? What's, what, what do you think about that? So I think there are two parts on this one. The, the, the first one is the uncertainty of Brexit on the date when it's going to happen. So when do you have to be ready? Up from which point do you need to start to report to two different regimes? And the second one is more the, the risk, which is underestimated, which is going to end up in a complexity on the details of the reporting meaning that FCA has announced already that they are going to closely review the reporting requirements under EMIR. So in the first wave, they are going to put it, they are going to ensure it in the same way, so which looks quite straightforward in this relation. But in the second wave, this could end up in a bigger uh, diversion from both, from the from the European one and the, the Brexit one. So... I suppose there are too many unknowns at the, certain, uh, at, the, at the current point. The first one is the date up from when the new reporting requirement is going to start. The second one is the details of the reporting requirements, which are going to be introduced by the FCA after the first phase. And, uh, you know, what do you, th I mean, you know, finger in the air. I know this isn't easy, obviously, but we often talk about having a crystal ball here on the Roundup. If you had a crystal ball, if you were going to look into the future, what do you think is likely going to be the best solution? So I could tell you what my preferred solution is going to be. I think the unknown is something very uh, unpleasant for all the participants. So it would be good to just have a clear uh, way to go. So for me, the preferred solution is to go to have uh, clarity as soon as possible. 
So even if it would be challenging now for the market participant and definitely also for us as a PR, I would prefer that we are starting immediately for the next possible date to go with the new reporting requirements under the different regimes. Thank you. I'd just like to big thank you to uh, Sabine Goeb there, uh, who's Chief Compliance Officer, uh, looking into the complexities of refit, but also the, you know, compliance positives that are coming out of it. Sabine, I know that you're off on holiday now, so have a good break. And uh, yes, uh, we, we hope to get you back on the roundup again soon. Thank you very much. Stay safe and uh, talk to you soon. Bye. Lara, we, we heard from Sabine there. What about on your side? You're dealing with NCAs and uh, PCAs, I suppose, or pan-European authorities. You're the one with the ears of the regulator. Um, what, how do you feel about Refit? Is Refit addressing all the things that uh, you hoped it would? Well, actually, um, and looking into the authorities' perspective, I think the authorities have worked closely with ESMA to achieve uh, one of their purposes, which is, in my opinion, uh, to receive the same standardized data from the different years. So in the past, uh, authorities have complained on the differences within the CSP reports for the TRs, given that each TR had a proprietary report, even with the validations in place. Uh, and it was complex to harmonize the data for their supervisory tests. Um, that is why a few years ago, the authorities started um, receiving the information with an standardized ISO messages, um, which improved a lot the quality. Uh, however, the necessity of TRs uh, to transform the data to an ISO messages, adding more validations and complexity, was making difficult to fit uh, all the information, in particular, historical data. Uh, so the fact that uh, REFIC is looking to use uh, and standardize ISO, ISO schemas for the data to, the, to be reported to TRs um, will increase the accuracy of the data for authorities' purposes. Lara, what about concerns that EMEA is no longer quite the sort of early warning system it was supposed to be? Do you think the refit is going to make it a more effective piece of regulation uh, to prevent another uh, financial crisis? Well, it it should be. Um, I think everybody has learned from EMIR. Uh, it was a new regulation, a new um perspective uh, for everybody and also for the authorities. So um, now they have seen through this year what they actually need and how they actually need it. So uh, this is giving them the opportunity to, to improve this and, and also to um, have the TRs on, on this side to, to help them um, receive this data the way they, they need. The other thing, Andrew, is that, look, the framework is never going to be a magic bullet, right? So what, what Lara says is true, but we also need to consider that, um, you know, the framework, the framework, there was a framework already in place, which had been for a number of incremental um, improvements. Um, and there was still, you know, persisting data quality issues there. Now, some of them will be addressed by improvements to the framework and refit. Um, however, you know, you still have the situation that you need quality inbound data for EMIR to function properly as, as an early warning system. 
Of course, talking of early warning systems, uh, that does uh, kind of bring Brexit back into the frame, doesn't it? Because obviously this has got ramifications for uh, refit, for SFTR, for for all kinds of uh, reporting um, requirements, which could well diverge, become more complex, not harmonise, and and limit the efficacy of uh, you know uh, legislation like him here. John, I mean, what's been happening on the Brexit front this week? Okay, so on the 25th of May, Michel Barnier, the EU's chief Brexit negotiator, he sent a letter to the leaders of the smaller parliamentary parties in the UK, stating that the EU will remain open for an extension of the transition period of up to two years, with a decision to be taken by the Joint Committee before the 1st of July 2020, and including an agreement on a financial contribution by the UK. In response, however... David Frost, the UK chief negotiator, reiterated in a Commons Committee on Wednesday that the UK government was not seeking an extension and that the two sides remain far apart on issues such as fisheries and the level playing field. Opposition MPs welcomed Barnier's response and called on the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson to accept the offer to help support the economy during the COVID-19 pandemic. Whilst last week's exchange of letters showed that tensions between the EU and the UK are rising, both sides will meet next week for the last round of negotiations before the high-level conference in June to assess the progress of the negotiations. With little change on the most fundamental issues since the talk began in March, EU Trade Commissioner Phil Hogan claimed that the UK may have concluded that there's not going to be a deal. We hope that we will see a bigger effort than we've seen to date from the United Kingdom side to move on certain issues because we stand ready to move on ours, to move forward some of the solutions that are required on many of the issues of concern to both sides, he added. It's another week of um, difficult non-news. Uh... It's exactly, isn't it, Andrew? It's the um, pre-negotiation positioning is what you see in there, is what it all sounds like, which is what we discussed last week. So we've had another week of very little news. Um, Laura, I want to come to you on this one. Um, so are the, are the regulators as bored with Brexit as the rest of us are? Um, well, I think the rest of authorities are in the same page as we are. Um, in the um, conversations that we have with them, um, also when we uh, tell them that uh, we, when we told them uh, that we wanted to have... Um, um, TR in the UK, um, they they say that uh, it's always good news, but of course they didn't have uh, many information to share with us. Uh, so in general, they also want this uh, to finish. They are worried about um, how um, the counterpart is going to is, is going to be impacted, um, and they request us uh, some questions about this. Uh, but of course, that will depend on uh, how this is going to to end. So um, I'm sure they will be looking into this uh, closely, um, and they will have a lot of work to do also this side. Yeah, I suppose the other point, Andrew, you know, from, from a data quality um, perspective is that currently you have inter and intra TR reconciliation taking place across uh, market participants from all um, 28 member states. Once Brexit takes place, um, effectively that reconciliation across the channel with the UK um, ceases uh, because in order for that to continue, there would have to be some kind of uh, memorandum of understanding in place between the FCA and ESMA 
and un understandably they have an awful lot on their plates right now. Yeah, I guess to that point actually John as well is that question around divergence as well because obviously if the FCA decides to diverge away and have different um, standards to a degree let's say different schemas to what you're seeing across the EU landscape then that could fundamentally change any kind of memorandum of understanding and matching anyway, I'd imagine. I can't believe we're already coming to the end of wow. this week's roundup with so many things yet to discuss. But before we go, it's been a very big week on the client services side. So, uh, Barbara, what is your update for us this week um, with Refit coming up? Yeah, so we had a update of the Q&A on the 28th, 28th of May, which uh, provided on TR question 54 a uh, lot of clarifications in regards to how the um, mandatory delegation uh, from the NFC minus to the FC counterparties need to be managed. And that, I think, will um, be a relief for all our listeners, which had many questions, and I know that because they came into the client service desk uh, around how uh, are the details, or they had many questions in regards of uh, how this delegation had to happen. So I think it is uh, worth to have a look into this update of the Q&A because it clarifies a lot uh, in regards to, uh, well, what happens if the NFC minus doesn't update the LDI on time, for example, or what are the details that the NFC minus need to provide to the FC before they can start reporting. So I think it is quite clear the answers that ESMA has provided on, in these regards, and that uh, ahead of the new obligation coming in on the 18th of June, which is uh, around the corner now, uh, it, will, it will support a lot. And of course, if uh, there's more questions, our listeners can always come back to the desk and, and, and raise any questions they may have. We will try to help. So actually, yeah, Barbara, I think to your point as well around the updates coming out, I think the important thing to note, there are still a lot of questions, certainly that I'm seeing from the client side as well. And, you know, questions around what if the NFC minus has to delegate or is delegating to multiple FCs, you know, how about the FC? How will it amend the open trade? So it's about that data quality that you was referencing as well. And also around porting windows and around, are there enough? What's the capacity? And actually, I'm now starting to see that from the other side. Last week, we mentioned about CME, Nexabide, winding up their business. And a lot of those clients that are approaching us have been talking about the windows, the porting, how we can do this in a controlled manner. And obviously, in the background, we're looking at trying to manage a number of NFC minuses that will be porting across to the FCs. So these are things that now have to be sort of thrown into that big mix and we're all starting to consider. So I know we're working on some Q&As that we can share with clients. And I know certainly with the conversations that I've been having with the CME Nexa by client base is really the key message is start planning now. And that's what they're looking at, the ones we're talking to, in terms of making sure you're you're planning, you understand the next steps, what needs to be done, and really starting to work out what dates you want to pull because those dates will fill up quickly and that's just the reality of the situation. So that's an ongoing situation that's you know in the market. I think it's new for everyone. So what I would say is, to Barbara's point, 
any questions that anyone listening to this has, just reach out to the team or to Barbara and I personally. We're here to support. And that more or less wraps us up for this week. I think uh, it's going to be a full one. And we'll be back next week to talk about Esma's wrist dashboard. And we will be hopefully bringing more special guests along with us for the show. But in the meantime, a huge thank you to uh, Sabine Gouib uh, uh, giving us her time last week. And a special thanks this week for joining us in the virtual studio to Lara Rodriguez, who's our institutional client relationship manager. Thank you very much. Um, uh, please invite me whenever you want. Okay, that's it. You're on. You're on the next show. There, you're in. There okay. You <laughs> and, but in the meantime, from the virtual studio team here, that's head of client services Barbara Ruiz Alonso. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks a lot again. And the voice of reason, head of business development, uh, dialing in from London, Nick Bruce. Uh, thank you, Andrew. Big thank you to Lara Sabine and still a line from Hill Street Blues. Let's be careful out there. Yes, indeed. And let's do it to them before they do it to us. And that is, of course, reporting data in an XML format. <laughs> it's goodbye from Acting Chief Operations Officer in the UK and Head of Product, John Kernan. I keep forgetting, guys, I'm not as old as uh, as, as you, Nick and Andrew. I, I don't remember. You don't remember Hill Street Blues? Oh, really? come on. Do you remember Homicide Life on the Streets? No. Starsky and Hutch? Yeah, Hawaii 5 Hawaii 5-0, come on, mate. Yeah, Hawaii 5-0, come on. He only knows when they've been remade. You, see, do you think that's it, Nick? Do you think that John is just a rebooter, that he, he oh, missed he's out? He's a reboot. He has no idea Starsky and Hutch was something from the 70s and the 80s. He's got no idea. I can... Oh, I can he's got the wardrobe, but I doubt he doesn't know the shows. You know, it's funny, yes, because actually he also has the hair as well. That's the thing. <laughs> okay, good. Well, on that uh, note, it's going to be goodbye uh, from us here at the Registry Hour Roundup. Do have a good week. Have a safe week. We hope as the lockdown is ending that um, you're getting out and about and, you know, you're making good connections. You're still making good use of your virtual networks to keep in touch. And we will be back next week for the next Roundup. And until then, it's goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>